Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The charge for us is to believe. I believe that that song has stirred up our faith. It has made hope to rise again. Because if God said it and you believe it, that settles it. Amen. So God said in his own time, it is how the Lord will make it happen. So please don't lose hope. Believe for it. Believe for it. Believe for it. And we'll see the goodness of God in the land of the living in Jesus' name. It's me again. <laughs> for those that saw me online on Friday, I'm sure you're like, what am I doing here again? <laughs> um, I tried to talk to Pastor D if he could let me off. <laughs> but I know that God has a plan and I'm grateful actually for the privilege to stand before everybody. And I'm grateful for the church as well that there's always room for people to come forward and share. I do not take it lightly. So I'd just like to plead with us that please don't see me. I pray you see God and you see God speak to you this afternoon in Jesus' name. Today's service has been amazing. Right from, you know, the Sunday school, we spoke a lot about, you know, being a disciple and what we need to do in terms of obedience and imitating Christ and all of that. And then we got to the worship session and worship was just on another level. Um, I thank God for what he's doing in us and what he's doing through us. This afternoon, I have something to share with us. And I just want us to please have an open heart. Um, and I pray that for some of us, it would be a reminder. And for some of us, it might be us seeing this topic in a new light. But whatever it is, I pray that God indeed speaks to us in Jesus' name. I believe that we can all agree with me that we're in a world right now where godlessness is on the rise. And even in the church, we see that there is also godlessness and lawlessness going on. You know, just as it was in the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, everyone is just leaving as they please. Everyone is just following, you know, the culture, the tradition. And it seems like God is not more up there and the standard of God is now being, you know, shifted a bit or downplayed a bit. And so I believe that God is reminding me and God is reminding us who is God and what he requires of us. You know, on Friday, I said that God requires of us to be merciful people. And another thing that I believe that God requires of us is that we should fear him. And that's the simple message I have this afternoon. God wants to remind us the need to fear him. And when I talk about fear, I'm not saying God wants us to be scared of him. God doesn't, doesn't want us to run away from him. In fact, God wants us to come to him. But God has a standard. There is a way, there is a method through which we can approach God. God wants us to reverence him. You know, during praise and worship, a lot of us raised up our hands and we sang, and that's fantastic. But reverence is not just about that. Reverence is the state of the heart. Reverence is by the things that I do. You know, some of us, I don't know if you're like me, now this is a negative fear, but I have fear for spiders. If you tell me that there's a spider in this room, the way I would react would, I would not be like this. I would be looking left, right, and center. To an extent, what you fear, shapes your conduct. And so when God talks about a positive, positive fear, if I fear God, it will shape my conduct. It would shape how I live. So the question for me, the question for you is, 
Do I fear God? And if I do, does it shape how I live and how I conduct myself? The fear of the Lord is not an option, it is a command. And we can see both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If we turn to Deuteronomy 10, 12, please follow me, don't, don't be bored. I know it's not an interesting topic, you know, uh, but please follow me. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, it says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to to walk in some of his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And we spoke about service as well during Sunday school. So it says what God requires of us is to fear him. And I know we've heard it before, but what does it mean? If we turn again to Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and if I can please have it in the amplified version, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, I'm proud of myself that I can pronounce that word, Ecclesiastes. He says, let's read it together, please, so that we're awake. When all has been heard, the end of the matter is, and what does he mean? Worship him with all filled reverence, knowing that he is almighty God. Yes, so he says, fear God. When everything has been said, what is left for us to do? Fear God. And it says it means to worship him with all filled reverence, knowing that he is almighty God. And keep his commandment for this applies to everybody. So the fear of God is for us to have a reverence for God. And to reverence God is for us to have a deep respect for God. We do not take God casually. We do not take him lightly. So reverence is to have due regard for someone's wishes or feelings, due regards. Fearing God means having such a reverence for him that it has a great impact on the way we live our lives. And I've said that before. Reverence is not how high or how loud we sing, but how straight we walk in obedience. You know, it says that reverence is when you have due regard for someone's feeling and wishes. And God's wish and his, 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 his rule and his law for us is to obey him, walk before him, walk in all of his ways. So for me, my show that I fear God and that I reverence God, I revere him, is that I don't just sing or talk about it. I don't jump out, out eye, eye and shout loud alone, but I walk straight in obedience. It also says as well that reverence is for us to have hope for God, to be in awe. What does it mean to be in awe? To be wowed, to be amazed. Does God amaze us? Does he actually amaze us? Yes, he says that we should be in awe and we should be amazed by God. And sometimes I feel like the, the longer we've been in our journey with God, it's possible that we lose that awe. It's possible. It feels like, you know, we become over familiar with God and it feels like we've seen it all. And I'll just share a little example. So during the holiday, we took the boys to the safari and myself and T, we've been there loads of times. You know, when my siblings or my parents come, we take them there. So for us, it wasn't a big deal. Lion, <laughs> giraffe. But the children, they were so excited. Eri was bold enough to put the food on his hand and the giraffe fed from his hand. And they were so excited. And we kept driving and driving and they wanted to see all the animals. But me and T were like, 
In fact, like, at some point, I felt like T wanted to sleep. We were, we've been there, we've seen it. What's the big deal? But they were like, Mommy, look, Mommy, look. They were in awe, they were amazed, they were wowed. Is that our attitude when it comes to God? When we read His word, when we think that, oh, the, the, the Bible says God sits in heaven. And the whole earth, you know how big the earth is? I've not been to too many countries, but the earth is so big, and that's just a footstool. And we actually in awe. Are we actually in awe of this God? Are we amazed? My prayer for me as well is that I don't lose that awe when God does something. And for me to be in awe of God, I need to know more to God, know more about God. There's so much to be known about this God. I read the scripture and it says the Lord parts the Red Sea. Am I like, wow, does God amaze me? Does God amaze me? When I think about the weight of his glory, am I amazed? And so I see coming to church, I see spiritual exercise as a privilege to want to know more about this mighty God and not just a tick box exercise because I'm so grateful that this is an opportunity for me to worship this God that is so weighty. I pray that we do not lose our all for God in Jesus' name. In Revelations 1, 14 to 17, Revelations 1, 14 to 17, and this was John. He was describing when, you know, he had the revelation and he saw God. And let's see how God was described. Um, any version? It's fine. Revelations 1, 14 to 17. It says his head and his hair were like, were white, like white wool, glistening white, like snow. And his all-seeing eyes were flashing like a flame of fire. Can we just think about that for a second? This is God piercing into my being. His feet were like burnished, white hot, bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was powerful, like the sound of many waters. God, God, the God that we serve. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword of judgment and his face reflecting his majesty and the Shekinah glory was like the sun. And it goes all and on. And at the end of all the description, what did John do? He fell like a dead man. What does God do to us? How do we feel when we think and when we read the scripture? Are we in awe? Only God to all praises do I stand of you. When we think of your awesomeness, I stand, I stand in awe of you. We stand in awe, I stand in Many waters, we stand in awe. 
Yes, Jesus, we stand in awe of you. Thank you so much. You can have your seat. This is the God that the, the, the scripture says that the angels are crying, holy, 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 holy. I pray that we'll have a deep understanding of this God. And so we fear and give him the respect and the awe that is due to his name in Jesus' name. How can I know if I fear God? What are the characteristics of those who fear God? They know the character and the person of God. And how can I know God? I know God by spending time with him. I know God by reading his word. I don't hear about him. I know a lot of us know me or you know my husband. But there is a level of knowing. There are some things that I don't expect you to know about my husband. Only me know because I know him. So there are some level. There are levels to knowing God. I don't know what level you are at. I don't know what level I'm at. But the deeper we go, there's something new that we would always find. And that's when we will know God the more. He reveals himself to us the more. The fear of God cannot be realized outside the person of God. And any man who knows God will fear God. The fear of the Lord is based on your relationship with God. You know, in the book, in, in Genesis 22, when um, Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, and we, we know that story, he went and he, he was about to literally kill that boy. And then the angel appeared to him, I think it's in verse 11 and 12. The angel appeared and he says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, he replied. And the angel said, do not lay hand on the boy. That's Genesis 22, verse 12. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. That was the response. He didn't say, now I know that. Obviously, from fear comes obedience. But the word was, he feared God enough to be willing to sacrifice that boy. And then in Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19, Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19, 19. It was later recorded that it was by faith that Abraham, when put to the test, made a sacrifice of Isaac. Yes, the man who had had God's promises was prepared to offer up his son. Because what the scripture says, he believed that God could raise his son up. Abraham had not seen resurrection before. Do we agree? But he knew God. And that's why he was ready to sacrifice. He feared God, he knew God. And because God saw that this guy has a knowledge of me, that he knows that I can raise the, where did Abraham get that, that knowledge from? Because he had not seen it. You know, sometimes we've seen God do something. And so we know that if God did it for him, he'll do it for me. But Abraham had not seen it before. But there was a level of knowledge that he had about God. And so the level of knowledge that we have shows how much we will fear God. My challenge for you, my challenge for me, is that I would really thirst and hunger to know this God. Like I said, there are levels of knowing. What level do you want to be? Further down, if time permits, there's some scriptures that I would read out to us. But the Bible says that the Lord confides in those who fear him. How many of us want God? I would want God to, you know, tell me some secrets. But I have to respect him. Even me and you, there are some people that we can't tell things because do they respect us? Do they respect us enough to keep that secret? But God wants to confide in me. God wants to tell me secrets. If only I respect, I honor, and I'm in awe of him. Another characteristic of someone that fears God is someone that honors and obeys the word. I cannot fear God and say that 
the word is God himself. And if he said something, I have to do it. It shows that I respect him. I respect his wishes. How are we doing with keeping the commandment of God? You know, in Deuteronomy, it says that we walk in all of his ways, all of his ways. And if you look at Isaiah 66, verse 2, I have the scriptures down, so I can, Isaiah 66, verse 2, 66, verse 2. 66 verse 2. 66 verse 2. 66. It says, For all these things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Who trembles at my word. Do we tremble at the word of God? The highest honor that we can give to God is to hear the word of God and do it. I know we honor God with our substance. It's fantastic. But the highest honor that we can give to God is to hear his word and we do it. And in Luke 8, 21, Jesus said that these are the people that I would call my brothers and my sisters. Luke 8, 21. It says those that hear the word of God and those that do it. I pray that God would help us, that because we say and we profess that we fear and we respect and we honor him, we would honor his word as well in Jesus' name. By our own strength, we can't do it, but we also need to understand that this is what God demands for us, from us, and sin is, is not to be joked with. I know in this modern time, we just call it a weakness. I have a weakness for lying, I have a weakness, but it is sin. He is sin, and the God that we serve is a holy God. The Bible says that without holiness, it is impossible for us to see God. So holiness is a topic on its own. God is a holy God. God is a holy God. The angels are crying, holy, holy. We also sing, holy are you, Lord. And we have to be imitators of God. Is there anyone here that is struggling with one sin or the other? You know, the, you, we, I don't want to, don't quote me, but what I'm trying to say is it's possible for us that we slip into sin. But what do we do? We get back up. We ask for forgiveness and we forsake it. You know, there's a quote I heard many years ago. It says that repentance is not when you cry, but when you change. God is calling us to repentance. You know, the, you know, sometimes what we practice, we perfect. If we keep practicing lying, before you know, you can't even think about it. It just, you know, it flows. What we practice, we perfect. But the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 7.1, it says that we should perfect holiness in the fear of God. I'm rushing now because of time. 2 Corinthians 7.1, the apostle says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And I said, what we practice, we perfect. How about we start practicing holiness? Because we'll perfect it. God requires holiness from us. Holiness from us. Holiness from us. And to fear God as well is for us to be aware that we are carriers of God's presence. Where is God right now? In this building? Aside, such a almighty God, he resides in us. So to fear God is that I'm constantly aware that he's here. And so when, you know, something contrary to what he asked me to do is popping up, 
I'm aware of the presence. How many of us, when we're driving and we see the police car next to us, even if we know that we have papers and well, our seatbelt is on, we still, or is it just me? I check again that why don't my seatbelt, you know, that just in case. We, we act differently when we see the police. Pastor D. <laughs> Not that we've done anything wrong, but it puts us in check. And that's what the presence of God should do. It keeps us in check. So a God-fearer is aware of the presence of God. Is aware of the presence of God. And because of time, the God-fearers fear nothing else. They are courageous. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of, of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I have the fear of God, I fear the one that can kill both the body and the soul. Why am I afraid? Why am I afraid of something else? If you're afraid of something else, maybe you don't still fear God enough. You don't know who you were dealing with. And I know that the human part, you might want to, but where do we run to? We run to God. We run to God. We run to God. So um, I, I would just end here, but I would share some scriptures with us just to see some of the things that God will do when we fear him. But our motive is not because I want God to do these things. That's why I fear him. If we check, I've said the Psalm 25, 14, that was the one that I said that God confides in them. In Psalms 33, 18, because of time, but if Uncle K can help me, that's fine. I'll just keep calling them. Psalms 33, 18 tells me that, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those that fear him. The eyes of, if the eyes of the Lord are on me, I know that he's guiding me, he's leading me. Luke 150, he talks about his mercy being on those that fear him. Luke 150. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Psalm 103 verse 13, he has compassion on us when we fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalms 103 verse 17, God loves those who fear him. 103 verse 17. Psalms 147 verse 11, God delights in those who fear him. So there's a lot of things. It's mercy. It loves us. It confides in us. It delights in us. And Psalm 145, 19, it says God fulfills the desires of those who fear him. So we can see that there is more to the fear of God. There is more to us regarding him. There is more to us being in horror of this God. There is more to us thinking highly of God. So I need to know him. I need to honor his word. I need to stay away from sin. I need to obey him. I pray that God will help us. I had to rush because of time. But beyond now, I believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to us better. And that God will let us come back to that place of deep reverence in our conduct, in our actions, in our hearts. That we know that this God is a God that demands us to fear him. And if we look at the story of Joseph and Potiphar, we know that story. He said, how can I do this great thing and sin against God? You know, human wisdom would say, ah, maybe this is the way God wants to, you know, bless um, Joseph. So he sleeps with the wife. Maybe the wife gets pregnant and, you know, that he hasn't, you know, God has. No, the fear of God makes us think about God. We don't want to break his heart. We don't want to hurt him. So, Lord, I pray. That beyond what I've said, you would speak to us more. 
Help us, Lord, to come back to that place of deep reverence and honor for you. Help us not to lose our awe of you. Help us to long to know you deeper. Help us, Lord, to honor your word and to be quick to obey you. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone struggling with one sin or the other, Lord, we pray for a deliverance in the name of Jesus. We pray for the heart of true repentance in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father, for answer to prayers. We go this week with the awareness of your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord.